Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 512 of So You Want to Be a Writer, the podcast that's all about writing and publishing. My name's Valerie Koo. I'm CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre, the world's leading centre for writing courses, and I'm your host. So we talk about all things to do with the world of writing, publishing, and how to succeed as an author or writer. This is your bonus episode for this week, and I have a couple of wonderful authors for you this episode, including the My Big Break segment, where a relatively new author outlines how they got their big break. That's coming up. In the meantime, I have a fun fact for you. Some of you will know that I was recently in Hawaii speaking and mentoring at a conference, and I only recently returned. So I found out a little bit more about Hawaii and about the language of Hawaii. Well, did you know that there are only 13 letters in the Hawaiian alphabet? In addition to the vowels, so A-E-I-O-U, there are eight consonants, seven of which are consonants like you and I know it, uh, H-K-L-M-N. P-W, so that's seven consonants, and there's a squiggle known as an okina, which kind of looks like a backward apostrophe. It's a glottal stop, and in 1864, the okina became a recognized letter of the Hawaiian alphabet. I also wanted to let you guys know something that's coming up. Yes, it's an awesome event we've got coming up. It's part of our Focus On series. These are short evening seminars, just one evening seminars, where we focus on, yes, a particular aspect of writing and really do a deep dive into that aspect of writing. So, so far we've had um, focus on openings, how to really open your novels so that people want to read the rest. We have had focus on the second act, how to avoid, you know, a saggy middle, which so many authors um, tend to do, where you're kind of wading through the middle just to keep the pace up. So, yep, that was about focusing on the second act. And now we have focus on, you guessed it, the climax and resolution of your novel. So it's on endings. So this is a great chance to discover everything you need to know about how to write a compelling ending to your story. And of course, to get all your questions answered if you attend. You can find out more at writerscenter.com.au slash focus. But now let me introduce you to the author featured in our My Big Break segment. Grace Chan is a speculative fiction writer and a doctor based in Melbourne. Actually, she's a psychiatrist. Her writing explores brains, minds, technology, alien worlds, relationships, power, identity, and so on. Her novel is Every Version of You. That's what it's called, Every Version of You, and it's out now. And in this chat, she talks about how she got her big break. Grace Chan, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Valerie. Thank you for having me on the show. It's a real honour. Every version of you, congratulations. Now, can you tell us what it's about? Yeah, so Every Version of You is my debut novel. Um, it is a science fiction novel um, set both in Melbourne in the late 21st century and also in this very expansive, glittery, shiny virtual reality world called Gaia. Um, the story focuses on the main character, Tao Yi, who's a Malaysian-Chinese-Australian woman, and her partner, Naveen. And 
how their relationship changes when a technology to in- upload a human mind into the cloud is introduced. So it um, it's a lot about identity and change and migration and hopefully a little bit of what it means to be human. Love it. Okay. So your day job is as a psychiatrist. You work full-time as a psychiatrist in Melbourne, and yet you've written this fantastic, you've had the time, inclination, and motivation to write this story. Um, Can you tell us, since this segment is about my big break, what was your big break? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, like many writers, I've been scribbling stories since I was a child and um, never really stopped throughout school and university. Um, but it was back in 2018. I was halfway through my psychiatry training, um, which was quite gruelling. And I inadvertently had a break from work. Um, one of my placements fell through and I thought, oh, maybe this is a bit of an opportunity to give the writing thing a serious go. So I went along to, I started by um, reading. I read and discovered a whole bunch of new authors who gave me a a lot of inspiration. Um, And then I decided to go along to a couple of festivals and conventions in Melbourne, um, which also fueled the creative spark. Started scribbling some short stories and sending them off. So short stories was where I kind of more seriously started. I was lucky enough to go to the Emerging Writers Festival in 2018 in Melbourne and I oh, I ummed and art about this, but I signed up for a five-minute cold pitch with one of my dream agents, <laughs> Jacinta Dimaze. Um, I went along very nervously with this haphazard um, pile of short stories and novellas and pitched a speculative um speculative fiction collection to her, Um, very nervously, not thinking that speculative fiction would be very popular at all. But to my amazement, she was interested and asked me to send her more of my stuff. Um, So I did, didn't hear anything for many months, (laughs) kept writing, kept submitting. Um, And one of those short stories gradually grew into the book, Every Version of You, Um, It went through quite a few iterations. It started off as a short story, then grew into a novella. Um, I submitted it for Seizure's Viva La Novella in 2019, um, which is a fabulous prize, and it was shortlisted for that prize. Um, At that point, it was a novella. Um, It didn't win the prize, but um, I received some really helpful feedback from an editor to saying, oh, you know, there's a lot of stuff in this novel (laughs) Um, or in this story. Why don't you flesh it out? I think it could do a lot better as a novel. So I went back to my study and thought, okay, I'm going to rewrite this into a novel. So over the next year or two, it became a novel. Jacinta came back and um, signed me as, um, uh, you know, I signed her as my agent, my literary agent. Um, so you mean you, you said to Jacinta, I've written, I've, I've fleshed this out into a novel now and she, then she signed you? Yeah, exactly right. So um, I updated her that it had been shortlisted for Viva La Novella as a novella. I'm going to turn it into a novel. And um, then she signed me, yeah, which was super exciting. Um 
Yeah, then it became a novel and Seizure um, didn't publish it in the end, so we went on sub. <laughs> um, and in 2020, it was accepted by a firm press, um, a lovely Australian publisher, Melbourne-based publisher, um, to, yeah, as my debut novel. How exciting. And it all started because you got the guts to pitch Jacinta at that session. What do you think you would have happened if you didn't get, get the courage to to do that? It's funny, isn't it, to kind of look back on those little moments that had a big impact on where we end up. Um, I don't know. I think I'm someone who gets very, you know, I get hugely nervous about putting myself out there and that's probably why I didn't for many, many years. Um, it's such a scary thing to put your writing out there because it feels so personal. Um, but I'm so glad I did and I think I, I'm someone who tells myself it's fine to be nervous, just roll with the nerves and just do it because what's the worst that could happen? The worst that could happen is someone will say no and you'll gain a bit of experience from the whole thing <laughs> and the best that could happen is they could say yes. So, yeah, I think just little, little steps to put yourself out there and meet other people in the community. I I'm glad I did it. I um, hope that if I hadn't done it, maybe I would have found some other pathway, but who knows? <laughs> well, I'm glad you did it too because, yes, as you say, it's just those little things and those little moments of courage and it could result in something like this, Every Version of You by Grace Chan, a new voice in Australian fiction. Congratulations, Grace. Thank you so much, Valerie. If you're enjoying this podcast, you may also like the book that Alison Tate and I have written together called So You Want to Be a Writer, How to Get Started While You Still Have a Day Job. Full of practical tips, motivation and inspiration, it's ideal for anyone who's thinking of dipping their toes into the wonderful world of writing. We've created a blueprint for aspiring writers to follow and it's suitable regardless of whether you want to plunge straight into this new career or if you need to explore it while you're still busy in your day job. Let us hold your hand as you turn your dream into a reality. Buy your copy today at soyouwanttobeawriter.com.au forward slash book. I hope you enjoyed hearing about Grace's big break. I think it's always useful and inspiring to hear from someone who was an emerging writer or an aspiring writer not that long ago and who is now successfully published. Anyway, I can't wait to see what Grace does next. Next, I have our writer in residence for you. So let's get straight into the chat. Ali Reynolds' latest novel is The Bay. It's her second book. Her debut novel, Shiver, emerged after a 10-publisher bidding war, and it's a bestseller and released in over 24 territories. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ali. You're really, you're really welcome. <laughs> now, you've released your second novel, The Bay, yeah. and the first one was Shiver, and we'll talk about that very soon. But for people who haven't got their hands on a copy of The Bay yet, can you tell us what it's about? Sure. So if you imagine Point Break meets the beach, that gives you an idea of The Bay. So it combines aspects of two of my absolute favourite stories. It's set on a remote Australian beach with a reclusive group of surfers who have claimed that beach for their own. So it's a locked room style murder mystery with a beach and ocean setting. 
Now, you said that it combines some of your passions and yeah. <laughs> and because you are really into surfing. Can you yeah. just give listeners a little bit of an idea of your what you did before you decided, oh, I'm going to become a best-selling novelist? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've had about 30 different jobs, actually. I grew up in the UK. I got really into snowboarding in my late teens and in my early 20s, I competed at half-pipe snowboarding. And, yeah, it was an amazing sport. I could never get enough of it, but it's also very dangerous. So I pulled out of the sport age 27 and uh, trained as a teacher. And I worked as a primary teacher in central London for a while. And then I actually moved to Australia and fell in love with surfing. So I've lived in Australia ever since, about 20 years now. I taught English for 15 years and I became a full-time writer in 2018. So what made you decide, oh, I've been doing snowboarding and surfing and teaching. I'm now going to become an author. What in the world moved you into that direction? Well, I've always been a massive reader um, ever since I was a small child. Um, my sister and I were the only kids at our school that didn't have a TV at home, which, you know, we felt hard done to at the time, but we, we just got really into books. And at 14, I had my first ever job, a Saturday job in a bookstore, and I was surrounded by books. So since then, I've just dreamt about, you know, being a, becoming an author but the bookshop owner sort of impressed on me how hard it was to make a living as a writer. So, you know, that I'd need a day job as well. So for many years, I wrote as a hobby on the side. Um, I got my first uh, story published in a woman's magazine, That's Life Australia, in about 2009, I think. And yeah, just began writing a lot more as I was teaching English as well. And, um, yeah, as a mom of two small kids, it was really great to be able to do that working from home as a writer. So I really stepped up when I had small kids. And, yeah, I finally got a novel finished in 2019 and, yeah, then got a book deal soon after. So that was Shiver. Now, yeah. Shiver has gone nuts. It is oh. <laughs> a bestseller published in at last count 24 territories but probably yeah. more by now um tell uh, we'll talk about the bay more in a sec but just sure. tell listeners what shiva was about sure so basically um if you imagine and then the wanan agatha christie's book set on a glacier with snowboarders that gives you an idea about shiva so it's about these um, former snowboarders who used to train and compete in a resort until tragedy struck. And then 10 years on from that, they are invited to a reunion on a high mountaintop. And as they take the cable car up to the reunion venue, they realise they're not sure who actually invited them. And at the top of the mountain, there's nobody there, no staff there. And then the cable car stops running. So they're stranded up there and all these secrets from the past start coming out. What gave you this idea? <laughs> so um, when I was snowboarding, I spent five years living and training in the high mountains of France, Switzerland, Austria and Canada. And it was just this amazing world, this white world, unlike anywhere else, you know, this world about going up and going down, about risks, you know, the weather could come in at 
you know, really short notice and, you know, cut off all visibility. You've got avalanches, such a dangerous world. So I always felt it would be a really great setting for a novel. I was trying already to write a novel set in that environment for many years uh, after that, and I could never quite get that novel finished. And then finally, when I put it aside, I got the idea for Shiva. So I think all that past experience of trying to get this novel done helped me. And then I wrote Shiva in about six months. So Shiva is a different novel to that novel that you yeah. have been working on for and many years. And I actually years. hope I will go back to that novel and kind of fix up the storyline and, yeah, get it out there one day. <laughs> so you write Shiva in six yep. months-ish. Yep. Um, what, tell us about your break. How did you get Shiva published? Sure. So I submitted um, to the slush pile. I decided to... Um, submit to UK agents because I'm from the UK and the book's set in France and it's got British characters so I figured you know it would be of interest to the UK plus it's a bigger market and uh, there weren't many agents in Australia that were actually taking on new authors at the time so I put out my first chapters and my letter to UK agents and I got four very fast rejections, which was devastating. And so then I revised and really kind of cleaned it up and just went through it word by word, cutting out every word that didn't need to be there. But did you revise based on feedback from those agents? Why um, did you I got revise? no feedback. They were just okay. form rejections. But I, I have got a couple of great books on editing that really helped. And um yeah, my next four submissions, I got requests to see the full manuscript and very shortly after that, requests for a phone call and I uh, was taken on by Kate Burke at Blake Friedman in London. So were you? did you get requests from multiple agents? Yes, all of them actually, yeah. So what was the difference between the what you sent out initially and the second lot of, um, the second manuscript that you sent out, the second version of the manuscript you sent out? Sure, it, it was a bit cleaner. I would say, you know, I, I really tried to cut it down so it was really tight and lean and clean. You know, if there were two adjectives with a noun, I would take out one of the adjectives or even both of the adjectives. Um, but partly it could have just been luck, that particular batch of four agents. Mm. Um, yeah. And so then you send, a, you, you got queries from multiple agents, yep. you signed with your chosen agent. That's right. What happened then? So she took me through two rounds of revisions. The first one was quite brutal. It involved me um, cutting out quite a few chapters and then rewriting, well, writing 12 brand new scenes. So you kind of feel, oh, wow, I don't know if I can do this. And you have to cut out bits that you like. In my case, it was some of the romance bits. Shiva has got a romance subplot, but my agent felt that, you know, the market, especially in the UK, you know, it didn't really, crime and thriller readers didn't really like too big romance subplots. So we slashed that right back. And then we went through a shorter round of revisions, just tidying up, and she put it out to UK publishers. And very fast it became clear that there was interest from more than one publisher, so she wanted to take my book to auction. So it was like an absolute dream. I've never imagined of that happening. And so she took your book to auction and what happened? Yeah. 
So um, she broke the news that 10, 10 publishers had bid in the auction. It was a 10 publisher auction. And I, I just really thought I must be dreaming that. <laughs> that went on for about two weeks um, with some late night phone calls. And, you know, I could hardly do anything in that time because it was just such an exciting time. While that went on, I had preempts <clears throat> from the US and France, Germany, um, I think Italy, and some more offers came in for foreign territories. So it was just an amazing time. And yeah, I had um, an offer from Headline, which is the a branch of Hachette. And they were partnered with Hachette Australia. And um, yeah, I accepted their offer and I'm, I'm very happy with that. So a 10 publisher auction, yeah. this is the stuff that dreams are made yes. of. Did you yeah. kind of think, is this really happening? I, did. I didn't even know there were 10, you know, publishers in the UK, actually. I was, yeah, never heard of it. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Okay, so it goes on to be this huge success yeah. and now we've got The Bay and you've decided to set this in Australia. So yeah. tell us about why. Sure. So my agent felt it would be good to have a completely different setting next time to go from the snow and the ice, the high mountains to, you know, the heat, the beach and the sand. And the publishers really like that idea as well. Um, and of course, it was a time of COVID where we couldn't travel much. I'm a single mom of two little boys, so it's particularly hard for me to travel at the moment. So, yeah, it made sense to have a familiar setting where I'd spent a lot of time and I could try and, you know, create this setting. I think it was the idea was it would be quite popular, hopefully, with UK and US readers. Um, a lot of people at the time also couldn't travel and they were looking for maybe escapist novels that would take them to a beach. Yeah. So you you said you've got the setting, but yeah. obviously that is the backdrop of what then unfolds. And you oh. have um, a group of interesting characters, but you've got to work out, you know, how it all plays out. So do you know what's going to happen so, before you start writing? Sure. So for those 20 years when I was trying and failing to get a novel finished, I didn't use to plan my novels. I was sort of wandering around in the dark. I would write a bit and then the story would take a different turn and go somewhere else. And my issue was always with storyline. So Shiva was the first novel I planned. I planned it all out with little post-it notes on a whiteboard. And once I'd From got, beginning to end. From beginning to end, but only, you know, a couple of sentences yeah. um, for each scene just so I'd got an idea of the complete story. And then I did that same method um, with The Bay. And I started writing it once I'd got, I think, about 50 or so scenes on my whiteboard. And I knew that wasn't quite enough for a novel. Um, Shiva was about 75 scenes. And I've kind of analysed a lot of my favourite thrillers, and they often tend to be between you know, 70 to 80 scenes. But I hoped that as I started writing it, you know, more scenes would come along. Some of the scenes would expand into two scenes. And that's what happened. So even though you had only 50 scenes, so you were yeah. short, about 20 or so, did yeah. you, however, have the key scenes as in what, how it played out, what was yes. going to happen at the end? I had the start. I had, you know, some of the major set pieces and I had the ending. Yeah. Okay. So you have your all your post-it notes on your whiteboard. Now talk, talk to me about just before that process, when you're thinking about what to write on the post-it notes, 
how long does that take? Because for some people, it might take a very short time. Other people, it takes months, if not years, to work out how a storyline plays out. So how do you determine what goes on those post-it notes? For sure. We're, with Shiver, that process took me one month and the storyline for that came, you know, quite smoothly. There were no dead ends. You know, one scene then led to another in my head and then another and it all kind of flowed smoothly on. Uh, so I, I sort of expected the same would happen to the bay, but it didn't actually at all. I think part of the reason for that was I was um, with, I had my little kids at home with the school closures and this pandemic going on that made it very hard to focus. I'd also had a bad head injury in the surf, um, a delayed concussion. So I was really struggling. Also, I think every story is different and definitely for the Bay, it was tricky. At first, uh, every aspect of the storyline seemed too similar to Shiva. So I would, you know, scratch that and try again. But I had my my two main storylines of the bay and point, sorry, the beach and point break, some aspects that I really wanted to include. I knew from the beach um, I wanted to take that idea of people that well, really love something, you know, like backpacking in the case of the beach, and they go to this unique spot and kind of form their own community. And it could be a paradise apart from the darkness that lurks inside them. So I took aspects of that storyline. And then I took aspects of the Point Break storyline. I love that we have got this um, detective who has to go undercover to investigate these reclusive surfers that are suspected of a crime. And he gets really sucked into that world and to them and has this sense of belonging. So he feels torn between doing his duty and his job and, you know, just his passion and belonging to this group of surfers. So I combined those aspects and I had this idea of an outsider coming into that group so we, we get to see it through her eyes mm -hmm. and she needed a reason for being there. So my main character is a young woman called Kenna and her best friend has moved to Australia uh, a year ago and plans to marry um, one of these reclusive surfers. So Kenna comes along and goes to this secret beach with her in, with the um, the aim of trying to drag her home to safety and actually see what is going on with these people. So I love how I'm going to call it the post-it note draft. Yeah. <laughs> so if it took you a month to do the post-it note draft for Shiva yeah. and you it was more challenging for the Bay, how long yeah. did it take to do the post-it note draft uh, for the Bay? You see, I, I would play about with my scenes and get them on the post-it notes and then I would sort of change some bits and uh, I think there were some times when I went back to my agent to ask her advice and partly that was on what would sell, you know, would that work for my publishers um, and then go back to the board and once I started writing, I then had to go back to the board because I changed my plan. Once I even had the full, full first draft um, minus the climax, it, it seemed to me like my old ending wasn't going to work. So I then had to play with new different endings and run them past my agent. 
who wasn't keen. So then I reverted back to the original ending and had a go at writing it. So there were just a lot of dead ends. It probably took about three months of the initial planning and then a couple more months in the middle of that process where I was just kind of beating my head against a brick wall, really. Yeah, right. The whole book took two years in total to write and that included about six rounds of structural edits with my agent and my publishers. Wow. Okay, so it seems very organised and systematic and methodical to do your post-it notes on a whiteboard when previously you you weren't doing that at all. You were just writing into wherever. It's quite a leap. So what was the thing that made you think, oh, I'm going to do it this way? Um, The reason I felt that all my um, previous novel attempts were failing, and it wasn't just that one snowy uh, book, but I'd had three or four more different novel attempts that, you know, maybe only made it to halfway. I felt my weakness was plot and storyline. And I then decided to read all the books on writing craft that I could find on plot and story structure, and it became... It changed from an area that I, I was afraid of to an area of complete fascination. And I guess I combined, uh, you know, aspects of all of these different books. I took what worked for me, the different methods from each of them. I also love looking on the internet at some of my favourite authors and see how they plot and plan. And quite a few other authors were using, you know, post-it notes on a whiteboard or on a corkboard. So I, I figured I'd have a go at that. And, yeah, the, the method worked really well for me. I wouldn't say I'm the ultimate planner. I think there are other authors um, who plan way more than me. I've heard, for example, Jane Harper plans massively, you know. She she will absolutely expla- expand her outline, you know, to almost, I think, half the length of a novel before she starts writing. Yeah. So I only have a couple of sentences for each scene, but that's and, and you have you have to hope that you've bought the 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 good quality post-it notes so they don't fall off and you lose <laughs> them, I guess. That is true. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> you, you've got your post-it notes on the board and then do yeah. you write then in Word? Do you write in a linear? fashion or do you pick oh I'll do this scene today I'll do this scene today well sure well before that I also uh, work on my characters so Mm -hmm. I um, create my little characters and then create big character profiles for them there's lots of great questionnaires you get online and I also love to ask them my own questions I love asking each character what they think of the other characters because I find that that really helps me get an idea of how they all gel together and I create a sort of character web um, in one of the writing books that I love, which is called um, John Truby's Anatomy of Story. He talks about a character web and suggests your characters should have as much conflict between them as possible. So I try to make sure that's all there before I start. You know, so when you fighting. say a character web, what yeah. does that look like when you create your character web? It looks web? a bit like a spider web. So I have my A4 sheet of paper. I've got, you know, my six or seven main characters. Um, and then I draw lines between them. For example, one is the sister of one. One is the boyfriend of another. One's the rival of another or the ex-boyfriend. Um, one of them is a false friend, pretends to be a friend, but they're actually blackmailing somebody. So you end up with all these little lines um, between all these characters. 
Well, it's obvious that you do know your characters really well because the internal dialogue is so real. It's oh, it's great. So um, are you writing your next novel now? No, actually I'm not. Um, because I did have such a tough time actually with the Bay, it, it was really, really hard um, and just took me so long. I, I did get feel that I was quite burnt out by the end of it and I was having quite a few health issues and I really felt I needed a bit of a creative break so I've taken a few months to read a lot um you know social media focus on you know promoting my book which also takes a lot of time Mm. and I I didn't really feel up to the task of multitasking that and also writing so I'm about to start writing my next book now but I feel at the moment it's all about you know it, it is it is a really tough market I feel for fiction, um, especially with the economy in a lot of countries, you know, people are struggling. I feel it's all about high concepts and getting exactly the right idea. So mm. I don't want to start writing my next book until I feel really confident with that idea. And I've got a few different ideas and I'm not actually sure which one to go with. So I need to outline a few of them and run them past my agent. And And then then do the post-it note drop. That's right. (laughs) Fantastic. All right, let's finish with what are your top three tips for aspiring writers who hope to be in a position like where you are one day, published author? Sure. Um, I'm a massive reader. I haven't got a um, an English degree or an MA in creative writing or anything like that. I've done some short online courses, but I believe I've learned nearly everything I know about writing from reading. So I read all the current, you know, new releases. I keep an eye on what's coming out. Um, books in my genre and also books outside of my genre, the top bestsellers, you know, try and figure out what makes them that way. I, I looked, I read um, Where the Crawdads Sing because it's just so raved about and I absolutely loved it. And, you know, try to, you, you can take, you can learn so much from reading great books. There's also some amazing books on writing craft out there available quite cheaply or maybe through the local library. If you go on my website, you'll find my top 10 favourite books on writing. Some of them I read each year because each time you read it, you can pull something new to it. Uh, Also, I would say embrace your weirdness. So I think everybody has got, you know, little weird hobbies or, you know, an unusual job or a quirk or an unusual place they've been to. And that often would be something that makes you unique and you can incorporate into a really interesting story. I love that. That's (laughs) fantastic. All right. Well, congratulations on The Bay and um, thank you so much for your time today, Ali. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. All right, I hope you enjoyed my chat with Ali Reynolds. Now, I'm going to love you and leave you this week because I have a bunch of things to do, but I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. Now, uh, feel free to connect with me on social media. A great place to start is in the podcast listener community on Facebook. Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community. 
and request to join. It's free to join. Love to have you in there and feel free to ask questions to me or to the community about all things to do with the world of writing. Feel free to also connect with me personally on social media at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com where you'll get a peek into my other life in the world of art. Um, Thanks for listening, everyone, and I look forward to chatting to you again next time. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. Our popular course, Creative Writing Stage 1, is the perfect way to unlock your creativity and explore the world of writing. You only need a couple of hours a week and you'll learn how to create memorable characters, believable dialogue and captivating plots, all in a supportive environment in this five-week online course. Whether your goal is to write a bestseller or simply tell better stories, learn at home with your very own tutor giving you personal feedback each week. Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash creative writing.